Hi, Yolandi. Hi, Tanya. How are you? How do you feel from yesterday? Oh, you know, what can you feel? It's such a, it's such a complex and kind of legally entangled matter. I know that feelings are really high uh, and very strong and, and rightly so. There were a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people that have been impacted by a case like this in this country because it's so rare. And uh, a lot of people had a lot of hopes pinned on on some kind of an outcome, I guess, that would make a statement. Would have been, and that they've been very, very badly disappointed. What What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I um, I was standing on the outside and I saw the disappointment in some people's eyes, and especially seeing their reaction from Brett, which I can understand. Um, I don't think you really um, will ever get over the pain of of something, you know, as badly as you know, what's happened to him. But um, overall, I think, you know, people were just hoping and wishing that there would be some sort of justice. And even if it was a guilty verdict, you know, he doesn't even go to jail necessarily, just some sort of like, I guess, closure for people. But, you know, it, it hasn't happened as with a lot of these things, which is a shame. Well, you know, the age of the concealer, you know, the person that, that looks away or enables or arranges, you know, a la Epstein kind of situation, mm-hmm. that, you know, are Kelly the same thing, you know, those people's is coming. Well, you know, so uh, this was definitely a start, but time and time again you read and, and hear from victims of, of institutional abuse, child sexual abuse, that what we call systems abuse, you know, where the systems, the court systems, the child protection system, legal system, police, or, you know, health systems, when they let people down, it's, you know, it's sometimes worse for people. It's it's definitely a re-abuse and it's. No, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, my, my situation is minor, but I mean, I, I look at the situation where I, Myself and uh, quite a few different students brought up a matter with the compliance ombudsman for education and they just didn't even interview any of us and they just went straight and said, no, it feels like it hasn't done anything wrong, but it was actually doing proper investigations. You know, it's just like very, it's very strange. Yeah. It, it's just a thing of like, why, you know, why is it not being investigated? If you've got, if you've got 20 complaints. You should at least do the due diligence of putting together a you well, know, case, you know, case manager, and yeah, it does. You know, you and I have had some conversations about a conspiracy theory here or there, but it's like you know, I wonder when various organizations um come up with the same constantly, yeah. And there's so many complaints. You've still got a student group that's still filled with students that never got any response back from. Mm. any of their complaints and it was met with more fear-mongering and from Hillsong themselves and it, it's just yeah it's just bizarre because it it does feel to me that even though Albanese has taken over we also have to understand from a political spectrum that a lot of Scott Morrison's old buddies are still in charge in places yeah. in, high, yes. in high reach places and influence and, as well but, but yeah, let's yeah. Berkey too early. Unfortunately, though, and uh, no offense, but uh, I, you know, we, 
have, we live in a country where the population is, what, 26 million or something. And you know, the, and the groups of people in power are very small, relatively. Yeah, they all know each other as well. Coming from someone that I worked with government officials oh, quite a few yeah. Be that in the legal profession or in the media mm. or whatever. So, yeah, Brian uh, Houston was found not guilty yesterday of the crime of failing to report a serious indictable offence to the police, mm. that being his father's pedophilia, particularly for the purposes of this trial, his father's child sexual abuse of Brett Sengstock, who had given testimony during the trial, mm. and that those offences took place. I believe the um, the charge time it, it, the charge time covered the period nineteen sixty nine to nineteen seventy four, and the failure to report without a reasonable excuse uh, was from a period of nineteen ninety nine, I believe September, until two thousand and four, when his father Frank Houston died. So there was one charge of concealing a serious indictable offence and, you know, it is a lot more complex because the laws were changed in 2018 to increase the severity of the the case. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get legal right now, but just as an intro. So overall, there's a... As I said, there's a, you know there were a few factors the judge took. You know, uh, Judge Gareth Christofi, and quite the pronunciation took nearly two hours to deliver a verdict yesterday. He went through basically a recap of what had been presented in court as evidence and various like things that he then had to look at. Following that, so uh, you know, this and this arose, and I had to give myself the directive A, B, and C in order to make a decision. Mm. And he was very straightforward. There wasn't a whole lot of emotion attached. That's not confident from what I'm told. the The overall result was that mm. Brian had had a reasonable excuse not to report the serious indictable offence. Then that, uh, then he had to be found not guilty. But um, it was sorry. Let me just let me just think clearly. Under the legislation in New South Wales in Australia, it is an offence not to report a serious indictable offence unless you have a reasonable excuse. So you know, if I know that. Oh, you've committed a murder, but you've told me I'm next. If I say anything, then, you know, maybe I'm not going to. If you're in fear for your life, that's a reasonable excuse. Yeah. Um, if the victim themselves did not want police involvement, that's a reasonable excuse if they're an adult at the time. And so that was pretty much the essence of the trial. Uh, did Brian believe that? Brett Sengstock, the complainant, had not wanted police involvement and the judge found that he could not find beyond reasonable doubt that Brian had, um, that Brian had 
had ignored Brett's request to go to police and had instead concealed it. And, you know, it, it, it came down to a reasonable doubt. There was no very strong evidence that, you know, that, that Brian had disregarded Brett Sengstock's wishes. Now, that's a very long and convoluted thing. And I do have a, a wonderful a criminal law specialist coming to help us on leaving Hillsong very soon. But point is, Brian came out of that not guilty. Now, I was in that courtroom. There were, you know, there were fair enough. There were some happy expressions or, or something from Houston's. I, I'm a little bit upset because. You can see very clearly that the siblings have been told not to speak to me. Like Graham and me, like I thought we were getting on like buddies and that, do you know what I mean? Like brother and stuff. I thought, can I get a bit of headway? But he's obviously been told to avoid me. Cleveland's <laughs> sister, it was a nephew that accidentally shook my hand. Nice handshake there, Nathan. But um, was there a, a young nephew there? Was it one of the, I saw two young no, kids. Sorry, a teenage kid. Sorry, I'm so confused. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> sorry. I should have uh, cleared that up. So throughout the trial, Brian has got uh, four siblings. He's got uh, three sisters and a brother. And his brother was in attendance the entire trial and a verdict. Uh, and his sister was in attendance. His sister's called Beverly. She was in attendance for a loss of the trial, the first week, mm -hmm. and then she was there at the verdict, and she's got a number of sons, I think three. One yeah. with like blonde hair, I saw, I think I, I saw them laughing and joking. Tall with a beard. It's like high school kids. That I saw quite a few of them, were they high school kids? Yeah, like, there were some real transient people that crept through that courtroom at some point. Michael Murphy made an appearance for the celeb watchers amongst us. Uh He's one of the he's OG. Oh, he's one of the OG pastors from Hills Christian Life Centre. Well, you know, or a year or so yeah. in, he was Brian's right hand man for eleven years, and most famously, really got Morrison's pastor out there in Dublin. Who oh, so he was there as well. Indeed, he's been That's a very cool. vocal advocate and supporter. Of the former global senior high dragonfly puva of Hillsong. Uh, now, what 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 wasn't thought about though was how devastatingly sickening the victory tour is going to be. I mean, you work in media and marketing. I I, I think the Americans are going to lap up the idea of this pastor redeemed, you know. I don't know, right? I told you earlier, I think I don't know. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm interested. What do you think? I think they'll love it. That, that, that you know, but the, the old school, at the end of the day, he never lost sight. And he'll tell you, you know, he's never left, lost a face and he only had one sleeping pill. He says a lot in the interview we'll listen to. So. Uh, what um, do you think, oh, how do you think he'll be received from here on in? You're in I touch don't, oh, I, I, as well that I am. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with. I actually, you know, I, I follow one of the most popular 
Christian Christian. I've connected with them as well. They're actually very close friends to one of the people that spoke to in the Discovery Channel documentary that was made. Uh, and they, there's two, there's these influences that I, that run the Christian. I'm just talking about one specific one. They've got over, I think they've got 500,000 to a million subscribers. And they are of, of the notion that they're pretty much canceling Hillsong. It's not because of the fact that we want to cancel Christianity because we Christians, we want to cancel this form of Christianity because I think we've all noticed that this has become extremely dangerous and i think when the documents came out with the finances and they also did it and audit themselves and then discuss this with their audience and i'm only speaking i'm not speaking for that group of people who i won't name but i'm just saying from my understanding from their videos they've posted out they've gone and said we have to stop this and i think that the new generation that's coming out the gen z's and some of us are millennials as well we are kind of sick of this kind of mega church phenomenon that's going on we're really looking for authentic experiences and we no longer want this the older people of course will all gather together but i i think that america is changing you're definitely going to find people who are still going to love brian but definitely not at the level at where they were the church has really damaged itself well, yeah, um, because of all the lies yeah. you know it's too many lies and i think people are yes you're definitely going to get diehards and you're always going to get diehards who are going to go Hey, this is like, there's nothing like your song. And that's especially in places like Brazil and, and places like that, because they don't really know the extent of what's happened. They're really kind of removed from it. But in the States, I definitely think, you know, New York's church is not bustling anymore. That's, that's a good indication yeah. from a target market perspective. It used to be the place to go to. You had Justin Bieber, you had Chris Bratch. And now, I mean, I was watching a comedian who is, very pro Hill song and he's a famous comedian and he went there. He's like, oh, it was so sad to him because it kind of felt like there was like 20, 30 people in the room. Yeah, Doc Priest were disappointed in your output there. Everything else was funny until it uh, happened to you and your friends. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. But in the perspective, I think you'll be milking this. Uh, I was telling a journalist well, yesterday. He'll be, he'll be milking the hell out of this the way that he knows best because he's got yeah. great reality. He's like the Megan Merkel of the church. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's, you know, he'll manage to, as you'll hear, he manages to distance himself from, you know, the stuff he can't explain away because that's a story for another day. The thing is, like, I, I feel like today's Brian that we did see was a little bit more of a real Brian. There's certain parts of it that I, I think is more, we were a bit more authentic than the general scripted ones. Very scripted and and, and maneuvered. But I feel like this might be very maneuvered as well. So you, ju- you just don't know with them. You just can't take them by face value. That's I've just learned that since, you know, knowing, you know, nor not knowing them, but, you know, being in the church and being close to them and just knowing that they, this is how they are. I spoke to a friend the other day as well. I'll leave it at this. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. But 
like we were talking about, you know, how she was always like trying to escort um, Brian out because she was working with Brian closely on certain things and how he was driving an Audi. And this was 10, 12 years ago. And she said she just couldn't take it that he was driving an, an Audi TT. And she, she always thought that it really bugged her. She was like, why is he driving such an expensive car? And um, she used to go to their house as well and the expensive designer stuff. And, um, and she's not out there to get them or anything. She's actually like, you know, positive about them. You know, she, she's in a different space. But yeah, it was just, it, it was something that did bother her. So it's something that bothered all of us. But, you know, so it's all those sorts of things that I just feel like. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into the video in a minute. This interview that we're about to listen to is with, it's on Sky News, which people know, but uh, the interviewer is Andrew Bolt. How would you describe him to those people outside of the shores uh, who are familiar with Mr. Bolt? Who would you compare him to? To, uh, to Andrew Bolt? How do I describe Andrew Bolt to people? Oh, man, I don't even know myself, but I think conservative, leaning, anti-leftist, woke, you know, that's how I would probably describe him as per usual. But he's also a bit of a complex character. He was in, oh, he's a right wing. Andrew Bolt is a right wing social political um, commentator. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I don't know, a little Rush Limbaugh or or, what is he, a bit of a, no, Tucker Carlson kind of. Not really. I think that Tucker Carlson was Alan Jones, yes. But, I mean, in terms of who I usually listen to is Rita and Peter Credlin. I do have respect for listening to them because I think they do speak a lot of sense. And I'm just trying to explain to people. So, yeah. So, Andrew Bolt, in, I guess, the American sense would probably, I wouldn't say he's Tucker Carlson, but I guess he would be more like Fox News type of representative. Uh, Very similar type of way of, of dealing with issues and yeah, he's a he's a very conservative type of news, probably the more conservative that we will get in Australia compared yeah. to Channel Nine, Channel Ten, and, and so it's on Sky News. Now, what what is it of interest to you that, like, I don't know, we got talking about this afternoon and arrived at, you know, decided to have this conversation? Um, what kind of made you want to have a chat about it? Well, I don't know. I just, I found that when I looked at it, I felt all sorts of different emotions through fire. And I just, I felt conflicted. My, I guess I was conflicted about what they were saying in the, in the interview. Cause in the beginning, there were things that I actually really did um, agree from as a Christian perspective with Andrew Bolt about what's currently happening in the media. And I know we have, we're on difficult political spectrums at times, but we still respect each other, Tanya. But what really did get to me, I guess, throughout the interview was this thing of painting Hillsong as the face of Christianity, things like that. They were just sticking out to me and the way that Brian definitely looks disheveled, but also then perks up at certain places. There's just the whole thing just didn't sit right with me. You know, Starting's actually asked me to interview with them about five months ago and, and then they canceled the interview. And I did find that really strange because I've never had that before, you know, gone through so many different interviews so it shows you that he's selected he's obviously known people inside of sky he feels um connected to them and he the first people he would go to would be the people he feels most politically aligned to and also where he's obviously yeah. needing to get the support from he's needing to get the backing of christians right now so he's need, needing to from from somebody that works in pr from pr strategy point of view that is 
gold. You will be going to the other Christians and the Christians that have been rooting for you and you want to line up their support. Politically, that is kind of exactly how things are done usually as well. So it's, it's all strategy lined. I think what a lot of people don't understand is that these things are all extremely stra- strategically planned out with lawyers and PR people and nothing of this is authentic. It's all I, I, you know, I do, I do think this was heavily edited, heavily scripted and rehearsed. And you can see how he was looking to the side as well. And, you but know, we'll, we'll, I'll just read you a few comments before we start quickly. I've under the YouTube uh, posting from Sky News itself, and just 17 minutes ago, we've got, you cannot punish a son for his father's sins. Vindication was imminent. There's Hillsong Music. The message, sadly not. There's <laughs> nine minutes ago, the biggest criminal organization on earth. Uh, also, no smoke without fire, a showman, slick, monetized performer, chastened. What else have we got in just because uh, uh, right after they posted it. And it's so funny for me because I'm just looking now, I'm just Googling this as well. I remember Paul Murray because I listened to a lot of Paul Murray. He was actually quite like shocked by a lot of the allegations that's recently come out. And he did a whole spectrum thing on it and going, hello, I, you know, it's really weird for me that this has happened in the church. And, and now we get this guy who's the polar opposite and he's basically kissing the feet that, kissing the ground that Brian is walking on. Mm. All right, let's take a listen because he starts off, starts off pretty clearly. Just uh, let me know if there are any issues with sound. After yet another case of a Christian being vilified by the media, charged, dragged through the courts, and only when the damage is done, declared innocent. Declared innocent today. Not guilty. It's the founder of Hillsong Church in Sydney. I'll talk to him in a second, but some background first. You can tell why Brian Houston became a hate figure for a media that's anxiety Christian. He started this Pentecostal church in 1983 and turned it into almost the brand, in fact, Australia's biggest single church. To judge by the worshippers each week, people attracted by its relaxed style, its music, and of course, Houston's preaching. Whoa. Okay, so he founded the church um, with almost a brand. I mean, Mumbrella uh, named it one of the strongest brands or the brand of the year, I think, strongest brand of the year a few years back. So it's a marketing genius. The words have been so carefully chosen in this thing. Uh, I mean, Houston's preaching himself. Um, PCD said on this very pod a couple of weeks ago that Brian used to bore people into submission. But here we go. It's preaching. And I believe tonight that there will be the saint of forgiveness. As church was so successful that Prime Minister Scott Morrison, self-Pentecostal, went to it to be interviewed by Houston. And the church expanded globally to the United States and nearly 30 other countries, but it all went bad for Houston. 24 years ago, his father Frank, now dead, told his son he sexually abused a boy, seven years old at the time, in 1970. Now Houston did not go to the police. He said the victim, by then in his late 30s, had told him he did not want police told. Had not told police himself. He was an adult. 
And they think them now saying, well, I didn't say that, and police charge Houston with conceding the crime to protect this church. And today, the magistrate, though, hearing the case, said, no, Houston did have a reasonable excuse under the law not to tell authorities. He knew or believed on reasonable grounds that the victim did not want this matter reported to police. Brian Houston joined me a short while ago. Brian Houston, thank you so much for your time. How did it get to this? You being charged when the magistrate says you were just doing what the victim wanted? Well, I think that's a big question. And unfortunately, it's been taking 25 years for that to finally know the answer. 25 years. You said outside the court today you were the victim of a targeted attack. What do you mean by that? Well, I genuinely believe that if it wasn't Brian Houston, the Hillsong Church, this um, charge would never have happened. There were many. I just want to take a moment to say that 25 years ago, which is now starting this whole Hamelot narrative, is when he first was informed, according to, the, you know, as much as we know in history, that his father had. Uh, committed child sexual offences, uh, or at least offence at that point, and he, it, it, not long after that, his father Frank confessed when confronted. So that's where the 25-year mark thing is. It's very interesting, this language. I just find it kind of disgusting that uh, there is this type of victim shaming in this. I, it, I, there's, there's a system. It just it makes me sick. Honestly, I, I just listened to it again. It's the second time now. But when I heard him say, but the victim didn't. Does anybody really understand how hard it is for a male, uh, females as well, but especially for a male and especially in a dominant society that we have. And, and I'm actually more right. I'm more center-left, right-wing kind of person. And, and I'm saying that this is a very difficult thing for somebody to go and say, hey, I've been sexually abused or essayed. Yeah, I've been essayed. The casualness, so casually cruel. It's not just that. It's the wording and the almost mocking tone of the, of this reporter of, of saying that, oh, he's a big boy. He should have basically just told that boat gone to the cops. I don't think people know how Yilsong works as well. Yilsong is extremely high. They're extremely gaslighting the way I've, I've got friends that were physically abused and one friend that alleges that she was raped by another pastor in the church and and I believe it so I honestly think that people don't understand that how difficult this is and and yeah a lot of people are probably not going to listen to this podcast you know that are they, from that Christian um, perspective that are um, praising Brian's praise uh, praising Brian probably not listening right now <laughs> yeah exactly but, but they should actually be Hopefully by some grace of God, they'll figure it out. But the point is that this is somebody who's lost their whole identity as a, as a human being, their dignity. Just before we continue, the day one, it was announced in the trial that Brett Sangstock had the option of uh, anonymity through this and he had waived that for the trial. And there are more people as well that we know of. We know that. I mean, it's quite public knowledge. There were a number of victims that presented, plus the victims in New Zealand. So the DPP chose 
for whatever reasons we don't know right now, but to focus on this one instance, perhaps that's the only evidence that they could rely on. I don't know the processes, but you know, certainly there were, even Brian would say, infinite unknowable numbers of victims. However, this case centered on one and uh it, one one instance in particular and you know that's how a lot of cases work where people might have been abused multiple multiple times but they're going with one yeah it's interesting how what his breathing is like through this as well like his lips yeah child could never have happened so many people were aware of the accusations about my father before i was and none of them had anything in fact about it I was the one who confronted my father. I, it, it's so interesting how this is being constructed. Like, okay. I was the one who confronted my father, and I end up being the one many years later getting charged. You know what? I, I have listened to this part. This is going to be probably unpopular opinion on this matter, but I think that the Houston's have committed other crimes that are more as bad as this sounds and I do want to have a great I have great respect for what Brett has gone through and I want justice for him but the fact is that you know his father Melissa it's also very difficult probably for this person on that side sitting there and I mean I, I have to put myself in to be there as well towards Brian I think he probably did put himself in front of you know, going to the courts and going, so we know that how gaslighting Hillsong is and they've all learned this, but I don't know. I, I can't fully judge this person on the full extent of his actions, not understanding, you know, the difficulty of probably finding out as well that you have a dad that is a serial rapist or a, ser- a child rape, a pedophile, you know, this is, uh, this is tough stuff. To whom much is given? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry he's, uh, if I wasn't Brian Houston, Oh, this wouldn't have happened to me. Yeah, and you know, a whole no, no, no. But I mean, that's if it, he should have done the right thing. Like, there's no, no two points about this. This guy is bad to the core, right? Because he's learned from the worst. Um, but what I'm just saying is that it's not his worst crime. Can he go for the concealing and the tax evasion and the fraud and the misappropriation? Why is that not being that? Why is that not on the books? You know, I, why I, are we just discussing this issue that he's this is a minor issue in the, in the court system, the legal system. Oh, from a cold facts situation, you know. I mean, it's funny you should say that. It seems, and it's been portrayed as this kind of minor, musty, old, weird, strange, pulled out of nowhere for no reason kind of crime. But you know, as we know, it takes a takes a village to raise a predator. Uh, you know, without the people looking away and making excuses. And shredding those documents, uh, perpetrators wouldn't be able to continue perpetrating. But, 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 